What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Without further ado. That's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Moore, for this NBA edition. Joining me, of course, is Rob Perez, Worldwide Blob, as we try and wrestle with the nuclear bomb that was dropped on us on Friday night as Kawhi Leonard joins the LA Clippers and Paul George is traded from the Oklahoma City Thunder to the Clippers in exchange for every draft pick for the next millennia, uh, Shai Gilgis-Alexander, uh, and Neil Gallinari's expiring contract. Okay, so Rob, you're in Vegas. The news comes in. We scrambled and put up title odds, and we've got 25 thoughts out of the pure brain tap of you, me, and Justin Fan looking at title odds and where the everything stands in the West. There's a bunch of stuff to read. I, I want to start here on the podcast with you on this. One... Can we handle any more movement with Russell Westbrook possibly being traded? Can we handle any more star movement? And do you think that we may have finally found like a new equilibrium? Has has a solar system settled after the big bang of the summer? I don't even know where to start this podcast when you called. Like, what, what topic do we even start on? We're recording this just as the news drops that DeMarcus Cousins is signing with the Lakers. They're assembling Meat Team 2.0. All it needs is J.R. Smith and Carmelo Anthony to round it out. And we have the Russell Westbrook bomb from Woj. So just when we thought that Kawhi was done, right, he went to the Clippers. This is over. We can have our summers of peace, like just 30 minutes, not even 30 days, just 30 minutes of peace. And now Russell Westbrook is on the trading block, and we're going to have to operate our entire summers with this dark cloud looking over our shoulder that Russell Westbrook can potentially be traded. The first two teams that come to mind in terms of like who would ever take that contract, like it is a, an absurd contract. He is making north of $40 million for the next two years. And there are only two players out there, John Wall and Chris Paul, that you can match contract for contract with. Can you get creative? Can you find a way to bring in a third team to get to that $40 million number and absorb the space? Sure. But if you're looking for just like a player-to-player transaction, there's only really two guys out there that make sense. One of them is an oomp, Eddie Curry Oompa Loompa, I think was the way I put it. And the other is Chris Paul, who's already proven to be a nuisance amongst his team and coaches. So the two teams I'm thinking about are the Los Angeles Lakers and the New York Knicks, despite what's gone on in this free agency. But here's the problem, is that they've both signed so many free agents in the past week that you can't trade those guys until February, I believe. Some stipulations that you can't trade some of those guys until December, some until February, depending on if they were an unrestricted free agent first. Let's just give them the benefit of the doubt and say February. You have to wait until February to potentially trade for him. I don't think Oklahoma City wants Russell Westbrook on their roster that long. They just showed us last night that they are in full rebuild mode. Damian Lillard put them into straight from championship contender back to the Stone Age. They did a great job in 
all the picks that they acquired from the Clippers, like Sam Presti, once again, should be praised here because they did the opposite of the Kemba Walker. But the fact remains that Russell Westbrook is there and they're still trying to cut salary to get under the luxury tax. So he's as good as gone, like in my opinion. I just don't know where. And this is where you come in to take over the conversation. Yeah, so you have to kind of identify the the teams whose cultures are gonna be are gonna say to themselves, Russell Westbrook's a guy that we want to get. It's gotta be a team that has, is confident about winning now because like there are good organizations that are on the way up, right? That are gonna be like, well, no, we're not there yet. Like I'm not gonna trade for Russ because my young guys are not ready to compete yet. That doesn't make any sense for us. I'm just paying a lot of money for us to kind of toil. It's gotta be a team that wants to win now. It's gotta be a team that feels like it can handle Russ. It's gotta be a team that can't do better. That's a very narrow sliver. There's a couple of teams that came to mind. Like the Suns are gonna be mentioned a lot because the Suns want a point guard and the Suns need a big name and the Suns have all these things that they can trade. I just don't know if the Suns literally have any of the money. Like, are you gonna trade Devin Booker? No, like, are you really gonna trade Devin Booker for Russell Westbrook? I don't think much of Booker. And I'm still like, mm, you can't do that. He's too young. He's got too much ahead of him. You have this really good core. Do you want to go down that road? Now, Sarver may just be like, I'll show them I'm cheap and be like, trade for Russell Westbrook and then we'll we'll sell tickets and that will be good. The Heat are the one that came to my mind. They have all these contracts that are going to be expiring. They have all these different assets. And if you're Presty with the Thunder, you've just got Gilgis Alexander, Gallo's expiring contract. You have a million picks. You have all this combo. If you trade Russ and you get back Drogic and then like whatever else you want to fit, Kelly Olenek, and then you swap those pieces out throughout the year, you could essentially own the next two to three drafts and just be like, we're just doing what we did with KD. We're just going to start completely over. We're going to tank out. We're going to hope to get the number one pick. And then we're going to try and just do this over again. I'm going for KD, Russ, Harden, Abaka, Jeff Green over again. I'm just going to try and do that again because that's like the best way to kind of pull it off. I do kind of wonder if they don't find an if they don't find an option because I think it's going to be difficult to find these kind of solutions. Like Dallas might make a little bit of sense even with Luca, just from the perspective of Dallas will say this is an opportunity to get a star, we should do it. But again, I just don't think they have the contracts in order to move them to be able to field a team if they do. Um, Porzingis takes up too much, and then you're talking about we have gone in on Luca. You don't want to disrupt that for Russ, I don't think. If they can't find a market for him, I do wonder if Pressy starts looking at it and being like. Okay, seriously, Cavs, what if I give you two first round picks and X, like Gallo's expiring contract, so you can clear the books for love? Or, like, they're gonna try and get Beal. Nobody has any real sense for what the Wizards want. The Wizards have been adamant from what I've heard that they're not trading Beal. They're going down with the ship. They're just like, no, like, we're, we're keeping Brad Beal and we're building around him. Even though I wrote on Action Network, it's like you're a snake eating your own tail. You, you if you max him, you can't sign anybody else, you can't add pieces. And if you trade him, you're still stuck with Wall. Like, there's just not a really good combo here for them. But all indications are that they're not trading Beal. So I wonder if eventually the Thunder are going to be like, all right, let's get Love, and then we've got Russ and Love, and we'll be good enough, and maybe we can make another move later. But if they do move him, the only other teams I can think of that kind of, when I was going through this in my head of, who are teams that would feel confident they could do this that would be an upgrade? One is the Denver Nuggets, which sounds crazy, and the Nuggets might yell at me if I were to suggest this, because... They love Nikola Jokic so much. But if you really tell them they can give up, say, Jamal Murray, a first-round pick, and Malik Beasley, along with Paul Millsap's $30 million expiring, which gets the job done, that gives the Thunder a building block in Murray along with Gilgis Alexander. It gives them an expiring contract of Paul Millsap to get off the books. It gives them a talented player they've liked a long time in Malik Beasley. 
that gives them like a lot of what they would be looking for. And the Nuggets would probably have to say, like, is Russell Westbrook an upgrade on Jamal Murray? Yes. Am I paying Jamal Murray a lot of money over the next five years? Yes. Okay, let's go do this now. I don't love how Jokic and Russ fit, but Denver doesn't get to choose. They tried to get a meeting with LeBron, swung out, tried to get a meeting with KD, swung out, couldn't get Kawhi, couldn't get Paul George. They have to take what they can get. And if they want to win now with Jokic, Russ would represent a major upgrade at the point guard position, even if there's a lot of baggage that comes with it. And the final team, as much as this sounds crazy, this is just theoretical. I really do think the San Antonio Spurs will take a look at it. I believe that based off of what I know about them. You've got a pre-existing relationship with Sam Presti and the uh, the Spurs front office because Presti came out of the Spurs. They have a good relationship there. Russ would be able to be as mean as he wants to the media and no one would care in San Antonio. They could send DeMar DeRozan's expiring contract along with either DeJounte Morey or Derek White along with picks. And the Spurs would be able to say, okay, we've got a guy that can get us to the next step and we'll try and figure it out from there. However, it would also be a short-term move from the Spurs, which is very unlike them. This is going to be a really tough one for them to manage. We're talking about all this and we haven't even gotten to the fact that Kawhi Leonard's a clipper. Before we even get to that, I mentioned the team's most likely just what everyone's going to perceive is the Lakers and Knicks because they want star power. I haven't mentioned who my perfect fit is and it's going to come as a little bit of a shock but it works and the answer is the Orlando Magic. Okay, this team was already in the play- a playoff contender at least in the Eastern Conference at the bottom of it. Say what you will but with Vucevic on the books. You put together a package. you, you got to match contracts here. So we got to start with Mozgov, obviously. Big expiring contract, $16.7 million. You throw in Markel Fultz. You give the Thunder their option of Jonathan Isaac or Mo Bamba. You throw in whatever pick they want, and you take on Russ's salary. And you would put a lineup out there of Vucevic, Aaron Gordon, Russell Westbrook, Evan Fournier, DJ Augustine, one of Jonathan Isaac and Mo Bamba, West Innuendo, however you pronounce it, that's not a bad team, my friend. And if the Orlando Magic want to be relevant and something they haven't been since the Dwight Howard days, why does that not make sense? It makes sense from a Magic perspective, but they don't get to be choosers either, right? Like, oh, you get the chance to get Russell Westbrook, you take the chance on getting Russell Westbrook. Um, they'd be able to send talent that I think OKC would appreciate, especially if they can get a pick. But I think John Hammond's smart enough to know I do not want to deal with Sam Presti in this position. There's a good chance that I'm going to wind up on the bad end. If, if Sam Presti's selling, I don't want to buy because the last time that did not work out great for the Magic. The other thing is... I love Vucevic. I, I like Terrence Ross a lot. Uh, I like a lot of their guys. I have. I think that they can be good down the line. I like Jonathan Isaac a lot. Russ would tear that locker room to shreds. He would be, I think, so mad and frustrated to be on that kind of a team with those guys. And like, he's a really great teammate. So maybe he would just like take it in stride and do the best he can because Russ really is a great teammate. But there's also a chance that he just like burns over into this magma bomb of just lava spewing everywhere. And then you're locked into that money with that situation, trying to figure out how to make him happy in Orlando, which look, he was in OKC and he liked it there, but that's kind of his thing is like, he wanted OKC. Like he chose that to be like his kingdom and too much. So, and so like I said, I just think it's going to be really tough to find teams that are willing to pay the amount that are going to give up the assets for the right to pay Westbrook what he's at given his knee situation his contract and age and personality he's just not a guy you can plug and play with and that's I think what's going to make this fascinating okay do you agree with the books that the Clippers should be the favorites to win the NBA title I don't they're the favorites because of overreaction and people are running to bet Paul George and Kawhi Leonard together and blame them but there's tall towers here in Las Vegas for a reason And that's partly because people are actually going to bet 
the Clippers plus 300. Let's go through their rotation real quick. We have Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Montrez Harrell, Landry Shamit. They just re-signed Zubats a couple of minutes ago. The same way that what we just saw from the Lakers, and I know it was a completely different roster and a completely different team, but just because you're champions on paper does not mean it's going to translate to the court. I need to see them actually play first before I lay plus 300 on a future that is going to be volatile from now until next June, and that's assuming there's no injuries. And you're talking about two injury-riddled guys in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. It makes great sense on paper, Matt, but am I running to the window considering them the favorites? Absolutely not. It is an absolute pleasure now to see all of the NBA is no parody. You know who's going to win the title. Like, they're gone forever. Those voices are gone forever. And I wrote how Kawhi is the balance in the force. That is going to be his legacy no matter what happens from this point forward. He ended the Miami Heat Big Three dynasty. He ended the Warriors Hamptons Five dynasty. And he ended the Lakers super team before it even started. So it is this almost socialism of assets here in the NBA. I don't mean to get political, but just everyone being equal is just jaw-dropping for a league that has been dominated by the complete opposite. Yeah, I think it's really fascinating. One of the things I'm, I'm going to be writing about is how I think that there's more value in the futures market now. Like, I've got a thing coming up that's basically taking different positions. Like, all right, let's say you take 100 bucks and you want to split it up between three teams. You can get pretty good return on value and get pretty close to a, a solid percentage return on ROI if you split your bet up between three teams. And there's various ways to do that with either the Clippers or the Lakers. I do think you have to choose one, though. I think you have to choose, like, I'm either riding with LeBron and AD or I'm riding with the Clippers with Paul George and Kawhi. And this is going to be fascinating because narrative has always kind of won out. And the narrative has always been that the Lakers are a superpower. But the Clippers are challenging this. The Nets are going to challenge that next next year in terms of being the little brother that's finally making good. I think it's it's fascinating. I do think... One thing that we're definitely seeing is the really good teams that we know are good, that we've seen, like we know Utah is going to be good. Like we know that Utah is going to win, you know, 52 plus games and going to be great on defense and their offense will be better than last year. Like there's a lot of reasons to get Utah, but they're just not, it doesn't make much sense in the, in the narrative history. Like one of the guys that we work with, um, we'll remain nameless for now, mentioned this during the playoffs and it stuck with me that he said, the NBA is the only sport I bet the narrative because that's what usually winds up happening. I don't know if we're seeing a realignment of that. Like this, this is going to be a fascinating year because the narrative should say LeBron James got Anthony Davis to join him in LA with the Lakers. And that's a, a continuing the great history, but there are all these teams like the Utah jazz and honestly the Houston Rockets who won two titles, but that was 20 years ago, the Utah jazz, the Houston Rockets, the Denver Nuggets, I think, are at least have some value given that they're plus 1,400. Um, and then you've got the Bucks and the Sixers. The Bucks were the best team all year, were two wins away from the finals, got hit with Fred Van Vliet Jr. being born, and wound up on the outside. They returned everybody but Brogdon. And then you got the Sixers, who are at plus 900 at one of the books today, Rob. Plus nine. If you ask me for my, my favorite number today on the board, it's Sixers plus 900. That's awesome value for a team, I think, that is poised to optimize Embiid going into what should be his ascendance to the real MVP conversation. Yeah, Jazz and Sixers are at the top of my, like, if I'm putting, while well, I'm here in Las Vegas, who should I be betting on? Uh, because, again, if you're listening to this, remember, if you bet a future in the NBA, not only do you have to survive the entire regular season of the team that you perceive making it through unscathed in terms of not only like win projections and seeding, but injuries as well. But if you get to the playoffs and they go down 0-2 in a series, you're going to get twice that number to win the title. 
at some point. It's just the way it is. Like it, If they go down in just simply one series, you may get the same number on what you had to win the NBA championship for just that series alone. And we've seen even the teams as great as the Hamptons 5, Golden State Warriors, uh, with odds that are just unprecedented if you were to just wait. If you are wagering on the NBA moving forward, the likes of the Jazz and the Sixers have that sustained value that it can hit like shit can hit the fan, but and you can still survive and still have a number that holds some value because the Los Angeles Clippers, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Brooklyn Nets, these numbers are so worn out that even if you win, it was a terrible bet. I know that's impossible to say that if you win a bet, how is it bad? Because it, you could have had it so many different ways and so many ways could have missed. Just my personal opinion. No, I, and I get that. And like, like locking up that money is a reason why a lot of the big betters don't do that, right? Like they're just like, I don't want to lock my money up for a year. Um, I, the only thing I'll say is if you're saying to yourself, I want to bet the NBA title, like that's a future that I want to get into. What I actually, and I, I didn't go further enough in this in the article I wrote, but I think there's actually value in saying, I'm going to take three teams and I'm going to bet two of them now because I think these are the two numbers I'm going to get the best of. Like, I don't think you're going to get bucks better than plus 600 now until they're down 0-2 in a series. And at that point, I don't know if you want to bet on them at that point, because then you're going to be pretty scared off of that. Like plus 600 is a really good number. I know you're, you're not going to get plus 900 on the Sixers. Like the Sixers are going to be a really good team this season. They're going to be in the top of the East. The rest of the East got much worse. This is the best that you're going to get that number. So if you want to do those two and then wait to see which of the Clippers and Lakers kind of establish themselves or which one you look at and say, this team is going to win the title. And then you can wait till they hit a slump and then they drop back down. Like I've advocated since AD went to the Lakers. I've written this in every column I've done on it. Wait until November. They're going to start off eight and seven. The 2010, 2011 Heat started off eight and seven. The 2014 Cavaliers started off eight and seven. And the Lakers, I think, were within that range this year as well, which obviously would not have paid out. But if you were going to bet them, like you wanted to wait until they hit, the, they struggled. Whenever LeBron puts together a new team, there's a little bit of struggle. These guys have to get used to playing together because none of these guys have really played together outside of Rondo, KCP. Kuzma and LeBron. The rest of these guys, you know, Rondo, Boogie, and and Davis have some history, but there's a lot of stuff they got to figure out. If you want to bet the Lakers, wait till midseason. They're going to hit a, a stretch where they're going to slump, and then that's when you can hammer them. I think there's ways that you can put together the position that you want using these numbers now, but you have to be very selective and decide. Okay, I'm going to take like I'm going to take this position here. I'm going to try and get my long shots here because I know that they're going to go up, and then I can bet something later once I see him more how the season shakes out. And then on the other side of town, or at least the other side of the hallway in Staples Center, you've got a Kawhi Leonard who is going to, without a doubt, load management again. He talked about how if he didn't take those games off in the regular season, because he was banged up throughout the playoffs, it was even noticeable for the viewers that if he didn't take those nights off, he wouldn't be playing. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't have what he had in the tank. And with the injury history that he has with Paul George, you can assume that they're both probably going to play between 60 and 65 games would be my guess, which means they're taking off 20 plus games. I think that's fact. I'm not even afraid to say that. So if you're betting like over under season win totals and trying to predict seating, and we're talking about plus 300 futures, which you would sure as hell want that team to be the number one seed if you're laying plus 300. I don't know if the Clippers get there simply because of one, they haven't played together. And two, those guys are going to miss a lot of time. Uh, we take for granted because this is real life is not NBA 2K where you can just assemble the best roster and it all works together. It's going to take time. Like you said, with the big three, they struggled. Anytime LeBron joins a new team, they always struggle out of the gate. They'll figure it out. 
but let's not act like they're going to come out of the gates. Riders of the Apocalypse. I would be stunned if it was that way. Even when the Warriors went 73-9, and like they played together all those years to get to that point. Cohesion and chemistry is such an underrated stat that there is no advanced analytic for. Okay, before we get out of here, um, I have one more hot take for you. Um, the biggest loser of last night is not Russell Westbrook. It's not Sam Presti. It's not Masai Ujiri. And it's not even Rob Palenka. And it's not LeBron James. It's Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is the biggest loser of last night because Davis goes from being able to be maybe the more impactful guy that nobody really appreciated, the guy that gets overlooked, and everybody loves that guy. Everybody loved Chris Bosh by the end. He took a lot of heat, so to speak, the first two years. But by after they won that championship, everybody was like, oh, this is awesome. Like, Bosh went from crying, and now he's just like this really fun kind of nerdy dude that's really good at basketball. Like, he was their second best player in the 2013 title, and he was really appreciated, and he's loved in Miami. And Anthony Davis goes from that now to be in the second wheel. He's going to be the one that a lot of guys think that, like, oh, well, you know, if we lose it's gonna be on LeBron no 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 some people will blame LeBron because some people blame LeBron for everything and they will clown on LeBron but there will be a large large number of both media and fan personalities that are going to blame any Lakers struggles on the supporting cast and particularly Anthony Davis is he doing enough is it why is the defense bad with Anthony Davis why is this so difficult he's gonna have to step up and when LeBron needs time off because he's 35 years old Davis has got to stay healthy and and you've talked about this a lot like if he continues to be Anthony questionable to return Davis he's gonna start getting heat for not playing through injuries or not being tough enough and all those things which I don't think are fair but he's gonna catch that heat Kawhi would have taken the most pressure off of Davis and put him in the best position to succeed because honestly, LeBron and AD are kind of a weird basketball fit. LeBron doesn't throw throw a lot of pick and pop passes. It's just not how he plays. And unless he dramatically alters that without a true point guard beyond Rajon Rondo to take the ball and, and kind of work things, there's going to be real trouble. I think Anthony Davis was a big loser yesterday. Before we go, as always, I would like to sprinkle just a little anarchy and make everything become chaos. And I want you to figure it out. Okay, You just mentioned Anthony Davis. What about Anthony Davis is unique coming into this season? What do we soon forget? He's going to be a free agent next summer? Yep. What if it doesn't go well? What if he leaves? I have one for you, because I wrote a column about this and did not specifically mention it, but I'll mention it here. What if he gets to the end of the year and he's frustrated and doesn't like playing with LeBron? What team has a clutch client who's going to be a free agent next summer? What team has D'Angelo Russell, former Lakers star, on their roster for a max deal? What team has always said that they will be light years ahead and will not be complacent to just watch the core age? What team has had their eyes set on Anthony Davis for years, if you pay attention to Tim Kawakami and Ethan Strauss and Marcus Thompson? Just something to keep in mind. I think I speak for everyone listening to this. I hate you. That wraps it up for the Action Network podcast. Make sure to check out actionnetwork.com for the best of all sports coverage, especially if you like action. We'll talk to you guys again next time on another edition of the Action Network podcast.